Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As character introductions go across like the history of cinema, I don't think you've got many better films that introduce a character than Adam Scott singing Sweet Child of Mine a cappella with his family in his car and just like berating them for not being, you know, as good as he wants them in to tune. be. It's just, yeah. I don't know, there's lots of like little tiny sort of, uh, yeah, beats like that, that um, it is totally indulgent, but like I can see the actors having a lot of fun with it and there's just an energy that I get off that, but totally get why that would leave a lot of other people feeling completely empty and bored. Hey everyone and welcome to this episode of Flitswatcher Podcast. I'm joined by Helen. Hello. Al. Hello. And Cam. Hi. And we're going to be talking about Step Brothers. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Flix Washer Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Camille and Al. If you would like to say hello and tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello, I'm Camille. Hi. Hey. Um, how are you guys? Um, <laughs> We're all good, thanks. Thank you. And yourself? Um, big fans of the show. Really like Thank the you. concept. So thanks for inviting us. I'm a producer of our podcast called Script Apart. So I never mm-hmm. get to talk. Uh, Al is the host. <laughs> so yeah. for the night. Exactly. As a special so treat. He's allowed on mic today. Give me an opportunity to uh, speak up, which is very nice. Um, Al, you want to describe our show? Yeah. So As the host? I'll give it a go. Um, yeah. So I'm Al. I am a journalist and um, I'm the host of script apart which is a podcast about the first draft secrets behind great movies so we talk to screenwriters not about the finished film but about their early draft where that film that we all know and love today was something completely different or was this sort of you know prototype splurge of ideas that hadn't quite become fully finished at that point so yeah i'm the host and cam's the uh cam's our producer extraordinaire yeah, I'm also like a filmmaker, um, but somehow I found myself doing a podcast now about films, <laughs> which is still nice, right? Uh, 
Um, Everyone's starting yeah. a podcast now. It's lockdown. There's all kinds, exactly. of, kinds of people get involved. And you guys started recording this during lockdown, essentially, didn't you? So how has that been for you, getting in contact with the guys who wrote the films, basically? There's been quite a lot of um, very successful people with lots of Oscars and awards in the background of their Zooms. And then there's been <laughs> me and Cam with like our various bundles of laundry in the yeah. background of our My toys, Zoom keyboards. Videos. So, um, yeah, it's been, I mean, to be honest, it's been like a total lifeline and it's, uh, I can't speak for Cam, but it's definitely kept me sane, um, throughout the whole, whole shebang. Yeah, definitely. Um, um yeah. I mean, someone actually came up to me the I other day and like, was like, oh, I, I get it. Script apart, like the name, because you're apart because of isolation. And I was like, yeah, definitely. That's, that's where, <laughs> what it is. I'm, I'm that clever. We're that clever. It's, it's just a name that sounded like ripped apart, but I'll take it. That's deep. I didn't even think about that. Um, no, I didn't. Um, we we came up with, we were thinking about doing a podcast like a year ago or something. And we were just always talking about talking about scripts because we're such fun of films. And we're always like, oh, this movie could have been this, could have been that. Uh, and when we got to the lockdown, the quarantine, we we're like, oh, should we just do this? We got so much more time now. And then the big idea, let's actually get those people from Hollywood, the writers, the creators on our show, because they're in the same positions as we are, as we are right now. They're mm. not doing anything. I mean, like they're working, they're working <laughs> remotely, but they got their microphones set up, they got their computers, they got their Zooms. And we just figured this is a good window of opportunity to actually make this concept so much cooler, right? Than just Al and I talking. Yeah, I, tell you, I completely, completely love the show. And um, I've read a smattering of scripts over my life, but I've, you know, I've always been aware of the difference that can, there can be between the first script and the shooting script. And there's, you know, what, what's been the most, what's been the largest difference in, in first script to, to uh, screen as far as you guys seen um, based on the people you've spoken to? Well, it can vary. I mean, we've had like some where we've had some guests where basically they nailed it straight away. They just, I mean, we had, Barry Jenkins on uh, yeah an episode talking about Moonlight, and he basically just like smashed it out of the park first time. I think he was in uh, Berlin. Well, didn't they? He wrote in like ten days, didn't he? Yeah, he just went on like this like whiskey soaked tour of Europe and like wrote it in cafes <laughs> while getting yeah slightly smashed. So yeah, there are some people who just like knocked it out of the park first time, and it was a real kind of like intuitive like outpouring of creativity. And then we've had other guests who um, it was a real kind of labor and the film, the script that we've seen has had like different, uh, you know, different endings and different characters and sort of abandoned story plots and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's been a real mix and um, it's interesting to see that that creative process, but it's also kind of reassuring as people who write or try to write screenplays ourselves, me and Cam, knowing that like, oh, okay, it's not always this like fully formed thing mm. this work of genius straight away sometimes it takes a bit of kind of finessing or in some cases a lot of finessing well i think one of the things i liked about your show i mean I've, one of the many things i liked about your show i should say is um how people talk about the collaborative process of when it's the the script writers themselves and then when the when the director comes on board or with barry jenkins he was talking about well is a lot of the time it's kind of apologetic saying well it's not really my story i didn't i kind of just wrote what um the the stage writer wrote but with uh with beck and woods for for a quiet place 
they, I really enjoyed them talking about when John Krasinski joined and said, no, no, we can add these different layers to and move this, move these things around. And they were just like, oh shit, yeah, that's great. That's absolutely great. I, I love it. Um, so maybe you, you guys just need to find that, that director or that producer or that extra person to kind of peel back. <laughs> some of these things exactly yeah there, there is a little bit of reading of like behind the scenes of the films and trying to reach out to like really cool stories i mean we haven't released um the blue valentine episode that we're gonna do um that we're gonna as release. we record this might it might be out by now guys exactly so if you do want to listen to a script apart podcast and you're interested in blue valentine go to their feed exactly if it's not there subscribe and then it'll you know wait <laughs> exactly and that's gonna yeah. be a cool episode and that's an example to coming back to your previous question about scripts how they were different that was a script that looked complete almost completely different in terms of mm. dialogue maybe they, it had similar beats to it but it was just you know i don't want to spoil too much for the episode you know but it's quite different to what we've seen and it also has that collaborative uh effort between the actors between ryan gosling and um, the director writer um and michelle williams so that's mm. gonna be a cool episode and that's gonna quite nicely um, give an example of what we're trying to do with the show in terms of just showing the process, you know? Well, we're talking about films and talking about scripts. Um, let's talk about the film that you guys have chosen. Camille, you chose Step Brothers. Indeed, Can you tell us why you chose it? And you have a super short time, less than a minute, to tell us the synopsis. Well, the film is about Dale and Brennan, uh, two men in their 40s, played by Will Ferrell and uh, John C. Riley. As I said, they're in their 40s. They still live with their, live with their parents and they basically can't grow up. And somehow their parents meet, fall in love, get, get married. And because of that, they're forced to live with each other now. They're forced to uh, live together. And that kind of also forces them to grow up because their parents are fed up with um, how they are. And yeah, and that's how the comedy happens i guess it's an r-rated uh comedy uh which i thought would be an interesting choice uh mm -hmm. for the for this episode because i was flipping through basically your episodes just trying to figure out what should we do what could be fun and i just noticed there's not that many r-rated comedies on there and i first of all i had a question why why are people not picking <laughs> uh r-rated comedies uh for such a discussion and and then I thought also because, you know, it's Flix Watcher. It's all about Netflix, Netflix, yeah. Netflix films. And one thing that you notice about Netflix is that they always have a big library of R-rated comedies. They don't really go away. They maybe like change up a little bit, but you always have your Tropic Thunder. You always have Step Brothers. You always have Anchorman. It's always something that people want to see a lot. But at the same time, R-rated comedies you could say are kind of dead right now, you know, like something changed in that time between early 2000s and, you know, maybe like till 2010 was the golden age of R-rated comedy. And I just, I just figured it'd be interesting to talk why they're not made anymore that mm -hmm. often. And, you know, why, um, why at that time they were so big. So yeah. That's Dead Brothers for you and my reasoning for it. <laughs> well, I mean, a good way to start with that, that kind of train of thought is Adam McKay, who was the purveyor of a lot of these Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, R-rated comedies, as you said, he's now stepped away from that. And so much so that him and Will have kind of gone their separate ways in that respect. So that's that probably leans into what you were thinking there, 
uh, Camille, in terms of less of these kind of comedies going out. Or maybe people have just grown up. Uh, Helen, Al, what are your thoughts? Well, I would probably say that maybe they're not very funny. And that <laughs> if we're talking about Step Brothers, that maybe, um, I mean, it was made in 2008, but boy, wow. Um, I mean, I've not seen it before. It's not really my target film, but I still wonder whether it was funny back in 2008, um, personally. So I guess who who is the audience for R-rated comedies? And then really, if you think about who would find Step Brothers funny, I would probably say that teenage boys may be the target audience. And if you make an R-rated comedy it's going to be difficult for them to get into the cinema unless they've got like fake IDs or go with like a brother. (laughs) So maybe they just didn't make enough money at the box office for them to be viable. I don't know. Al? Well, I am a teenage boy, apparently. (laughs) I'm I'm coming to realise over the course of this. um, You know, I I own it. It's okay. Um, Yeah, I am a bit of a like sucker for these kind of like films where Will Ferrell is just shouting loudly and like they are you know I think like there was this trend with the the sort of uh, breed of film that we're talking about there was this like massive trend in like the mid-noughties of like kind of like uh, man-child movies so on TV we had Arrested Development which does what it says on the tin and uh, yeah in cinemas prior to kind of like this wave of like Will Ferrell films Adam McKay films we had Adam Sandler in movies like Big Daddy and there was this Mm. period of US comedy where like adult men stuck in patterns of pretty infantile behaviour was just huge and there's some interesting kind of theory on the internet about like oh well was it like you know the president of the u.s at that time or like coming out of that period was had something of the demeanor of like a man child himself george w bush and this there's some interesting well, that, that, kind that of that kind of leans into a horrible phase of hopefully post 2020 president coming mm-hmm. out of that phase if we're going to be if, if, if that was reaction to george w bush what's your reaction going to be to trump oh, well yeah that's the uh <laughs> that's the big question mark whether cinema will even exist after yeah but anyways oh. um it's it's yeah i don't know i am sort of like a massive sucker not all of these films but there's a certain like will ferrell hot streak and for me although like my interests in movies kind of lay elsewhere there's definitely for me i understand why not for a lot of other people but for me there's definitely a time and a place for just like a big loud dumb will ferrell and john c Riley being idiots kind of movie but yeah, I am. You are not the first person who, um, yeah. like, I've met who definitely just like this stuff is just like kryptonite and <laughs> cannot go near it. Is it all of these films, Helen, or is it just is it this one particular? Well, I mean, you mentioned Adam Sandler. I am famously completely avoid any of his films apart from Punch Drunk Love, uh, Uncut Gems, and Mayorich Stories. I won't. I just don't find him very funny at all, and. I think in terms of Will Ferrell, like I, I, I like Anchorman, Anchorman Two, no. Um, so I, I think for me he kind of peaked with Anchorman, and I can't really think of any of the other films from this era that I've seen. Old school. Um, uh, yeah, I have seen that one. If mm. they've got Ben Stiller in it, then probably. 
Um, but so Ben Stiller is, is he? Is he another man, baby? In some of these, um, that's he would definitely well, be on the fringes. He's got a lot of. He likes the shouts, doesn't he? He shouts and he kind of plays like stressed out adult who's maybe surrounded by man babies. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting his, it. His is slightly, slightly different to the Will Ferrell thing, but it's basically the what you've said about Will Ferrell because kind of like shouting a lot and making noises was kind of his thing, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. definitely. I think the how about uh, Elf? Um, I know it's a little bit early in the season, but Elf. Elf. Is that- I, know, I, I, I like I like Elf. Elf's got a lot of heart, um, yeah. so. The heart that's in it, I think, kind of balances out like the the Will Ferrellness. Yeah, there isn't an awful <laughs> lot of heart in the scene where Will Ferrell's character starts, you know, rubbing his genitals on John C. Riley's character's drum kit. Yeah, okay, I point taken. Fair point. <laughs> and that's where it does kind of lean directly into teenage boys. And I, I think, had I seen this at fifteen, it would have been the funniest thing ever. Um, I do like Will Ferrell a lot, and I, 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 but I, I take each one of those films individually. I don't, I don't kind of think I like Anchorman, therefore like Talladega Nights. Because I think I don't think Talladega Nights is that good. I think Anchorman's fantastic. Anchorman Two, I don't think is that good. Mm. I like other the other guys. I think that's really funny. Uh, but for me, Step Brothers just doesn't just, just just doesn't hit. And I think for a film like this with those with those two guys, Will, Will Ferrell, Adam McKay, everything just has to be kind of right. And um, and this, I just found it maybe just a bit too much, in a way. Yeah, it's it's, it's just, all just, the, just a bit too much. It, it is like the standard feral thing cranked mm. up to eleven. Like the, um, <laughs> yeah. the, I think I'm a little rusty on the history. Maybe Cam, maybe you know a bit more about this. But like from what I'm aware, I think they did Talladega Nights, and it was a pretty intense shoot. Because just like, you know, they're making this like racing car film. There was just a lot of noise and, you know, being Mm. on a hot track all day, shooting those scenes. And uh, yeah, to the best of my knowledge, they were just like, let's pare it back and get get away from like a big concept like that movie had and like Anchorman had and these kind of sets that, um, films that involved big sets and big, uh, you know, costumes and stuff. And uh, yeah, this was kind of like the antidote to Talladega Mm. Nights and they basically went into it from as far as I can remember there was like a really good ringer kind of um, ringer oral history of the movie a while back and I seem to recall there was something about like uh, they just had the idea the moment in the film where they're like two adult men in bunk beds and one bunk bed (laughs) collapsing on the other they were just like wouldn't it be what's funny about that image why am I sort of drawn to that Um, and they basically sort of decided to make a film that was pretty much like there was a loose structure to it but they would just improv around these scenes where it's two adult men still living at home i don't know i i totally understand um anyone who it doesn't work for but for me for reasons i can't explain (laughs) it just kills me and if it's ever on tv i find it borderline impossible to turn off it's just something about it it's just like a a real comfort food for me it's interesting what you said about it's come from this idea. One of the things that I like doing is reading IMDb reviews. And the one which I think kind of sums it up is um, basically you get the impression that they had more fun making this than the majority of people watching it. And it does kind of feel that they're basically taking these things which they've kind of gone, 
well, wouldn't that be really funny? And then they've gone, yeah, let's do that. And basically there's been no one to kind of go, mm, not sure if like I'd find that funny or like this person would find it funny. There's there's no kind of person editing the script or kind of saying maybe that might not work. <laughs> yeah, what were you going to say, I was thinking that like, I mean, there's an, at this point, there's a nostalgic element of it for me mm. that like, which helps me like appreciate the film a little bit more, although like, rewatching it, I was like, I don't know if this would have worked right now or if it would have made me laugh as much. But I remember watching it with my dad when I was younger and yeah. my dad loving it, you know, because I think there is an like what Al mentioned with just like grown men acting like babies, you know, like this kind of, I don't know you know people looking at it and it's oh i wish that was me you know and i have like it cracked my dad up you know he's a big fan of these kind of comedies for some reason and it just i think it's also nostalgia of that time in a way of watching wedding crashers of watching uh old yeah. school like we yeah. mentioned you know it's definitely um, like but, yeah but it aged <laughs> it's a time capsule right i mean like yeah. if you tried to do one of these types of films today it would have to look very different and it's rep- it like reflects the period that it was made in, right? Like, I mean, the there are no women. Essentially, the women are either sort of like, m- you know, mother figures, or you know, comically, and I, I sort of hope, kind of like self-knowingly, they are sort of like, uh, you know, people to be attracted to, and all that kind of thing. Like, it's it's not a film that's aged particularly well in terms of its like mm-hmm. politics, perhaps, and in terms of its like. Uh, yeah, sort of a lot of its attitudes, I suppose. But for me, I still find something like that. Yeah, I think like partly because that improv energy, there's just something that propels it all the way down the line. And I mean, mm. you mentioned that maybe the majority of people didn't like it or didn't take to it. Um, but I think for, uh, I think it, I think the film does have among those people who love Will Ferrell because it is just the rawest, you know, the the most feral of all the Will Ferrell films. Um, I think there's like a real uh, cult <laughs> cult fan base for it. Um, and just like there's every now and again, sort of like a tweet will pop up on my feed. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. And then I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Now I have to, wa- <laughs> now I have the urge. I need to watch this film. Like I say, it's one of those films that, you know, I can't necessarily articulate the way I'm drawn to it, but, um, and I think Cam, you're totally right. Nostalgia is probably a big part of it, but yeah, that's just yeah. something about I, I still talking say about like, Shark Week. I, I still say like, oh, so much space for activities. Oh, so much space for it. When I enter like some space, like it's a, it's a new room or something, like so much space for activities. Um, In fairness, so yeah, I can but see it, behind yeah. you, there is a lot of room for activities there. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot of things to say in in support of this film. I know there's a lot of very smart people who love it to bits. Um, I'm just not one of them. Maybe not smart, maybe don't love it to bits. But um, I don't begrudge people who do love it because, yeah, hey, why? Why not? There are some scenes that make me laugh hysterically. And the the first time I saw the bunk bed scene, that did make me uh, laugh out loud. And I can kind of get together. And I, love the, I do actually generally like the concept. These Arrested Development Man Babies not wanting their parents to get together because they hated it. So that's just, you know, projecting on, on an experiences that people had when they were younger, when two parents, two different families get together and they don't get along and they want to split everyone up. And that's conceptually, it's quite interesting. But for me, just, there's just a few do, too many things. And it's a shame because 
I love every single person in there. I love Will Ferrell. I love John C. Riley. Love to bits Mary Steenberg and, and yeah. Richard Jenkins, Adam Scott, um, Catherine Hahn. I love all of them. And it just, it just, and that's probably why I, I, I take it down a few notches because with all those people in there, it, for me, it just needs to be like super ultra tight to make it sing. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm just being a bit too harsh. But no, no. When, when someone says it's the fucking Kathleen the Wine mix, I do laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a nonsense line it's an it absolute is. nonsense line and they say it like 50,000 times I think you've probably been a bit too generous actually but <laughs> but I mean I'm glad you brought up Adam Scott because like the sequence for me he's like low key one of the sort of best parts about the film as character introductions go setting up exactly who this character is across like the history of cinema like I don't think you've got like many better films that introduce a character better than Adam Scott singing Sweet Child of Mine acapella with his family in his car and just like berating them for not being, you know, as good as he wants them in to tune. be. It's just, yeah. I don't know, there's lots of like little tiny sort of, uh, yeah, beats like that, that um, I can see that it is totally indulgent, but like when, uh, I can see the char- the actors having a lot of fun with it and there's just an energy that I get off that, but totally get why that would leave a lot of other people feeling completely empty and bored. Ooh, what do you reckon? What do you, what are your thoughts on the other characters, uh, the other actors that played in this, in this, in the film? Well, my favorite actor of like the secondary characters, that's Richard Jenkins mm. and, and his thing with John C. Riley, the father and son there. It's that's the funniest. I think like even, <laughs> Richard Jenkins has like the biggest arc out of like the two main characters. He has the biggest arc in the film with just how like destroyed he becomes from just like dealing with them. <laughs> so he starts drinking and then, but then he has to rebuild his love, you know, um, with uh, Mary Steinberger. And yeah, I just, I just love him in the film, but also Adam Scott, like Al mentioned is great. I, like whenever he shows his oily abs, I always crack up. <laughs> um, it's just so random. That's just uh, absurd, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we got Catherine. We got Catherine Han, Rob Riggle doing the pow, yeah, <laughs> thing, you know. And it's just, I think like some of these people are still most remembered for those little bits in Step Brothers. Like it, they've done so many different co- comedic parts. Of obviously, Catherine Han is a great actress, but like they still very much remembered for Step Brothers, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I really, I think the the all the other characters were so well cast. And you, you even have Seth Rogen there for a little bit, right? Oh, so, yeah, 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 he jumps in, doesn't he? Yeah. So, so when we when we kind of set this up talking about um, these two, not man baby. Well, we talked about man baby films, but I think behind and caught kind of improv styling as well. There's, there was two kind of main directors that were behind this. One was like Judd Apatow. Yeah. The other was um, mm-hmm. Adam McKay. Um, where do you guys sit on the on those guys' filmographies? Do you have a preference between them, or you know, do you see a difference in? Can you tell the difference in their types of films when they when they come on the screen? That's a good question. Um, I think I prefer Adam McKay just because of the development of his career, and mm-hmm. it's you know, like Al said, it's the, the film is a time bubble, but also a time bubble, uh, yeah, like a time bubble for like his career as well. You know, like it's like we're in the next age of McKay right now where he kind of became this satirical Oliver Stone in mm-hmm. a way with his films and you know he did um, Big Short Vice Succession is also his show 
So completely, like, he shifted his direction. And I don't actually miss him in comedy, you know? I think, in a way, if Judd Apatow kind of lost his voice and, like, turned into some, something else, I would be missing him much more than I miss McKay doing these type of comedies. And I think, in a way, it was also time for him to move on. Hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of happy about that, you know? Um, so... Yeah, I mean, everybody always talks like Step Brothers 2, Step Brothers 2. They always like ask him if that's going to happen, but I hope it never happens in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they're 70 years old. <laughs> Helen, do you have a, a preference over Apatow or McKay, or do you not care about either? Um, no, I mean, I, I kind of like the, the earlier Apatow one, and then he just ended up like, unable yeah. to edit his films, and there was just no way I wanted to sit through two hours of it. And I don't think he's really... Um, developed or matured as such whereas like adam mckay i'm definitely more inclined to watch um the stuff he's doing now than probably apatow like if, if i had to pick fair enough and any more questions guys before we head to the scores i mean i would like i mentioned the idea of a sequel but like would you guys would be ever open to see a sequel if they were like seven years old or something <laughs> no, and the, there was a riff on that can't be bothered Cannot be bothered. <laughs> oh, okay. I got another question. Do you think McKay will come back to a comedy? I don't. I think he, he does. He does too many other things in film and podcasting, which are just more kind of serious. I think he'll come back to a comedy, but I don't think I don't think it'll be like this. I think he'll do. Um, well, I mean, Succession's a comedy. I didn't know he was involved in that. <laughs> Succession yeah, has got very comedic beats to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he'll be more along that kind of thing than just bringing Will Ferrell in to do some improv stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, what do you think? What do you think of come back? I think, to be honest, like, I don't think he's strayed especially far. Like, I think basically, Adam McKay now, when I think about a film like Big, The Big Short, right? The mm. farcical, self-interested idiocy of, like, the characters in The Big Short, they're not, like, crazily far from, like, the farcical, no, self-interested fair. idiots in Step Brothers. But, like... You look at Vice but as well. Yeah, but the, yeah. the difference is, these are, like, rooted in like real life and how like shambolic <laughs> the real world is these days there's an argument to be made that maybe like adam mckay hasn't changed maybe the world has changed and um yeah he's i wouldn't say he's like the films are more quote unquote serious now but like i still see like a thread like that runs through stepbrothers to, to a film yeah. like vice definitely do i think he'll come back to do stepbrothers too absolutely not he's done it and that was a period in time and it's as we touched on earlier, it's really, really hard to do again now. Um, so he did the do Anchorman too, right? Anchorman too happened, and he didn't bad. have to do that. Yeah, it was bad, but it was like his last foray into like comedy, right? But he, for some reason, he did it. I'm always like about like the relationship between the actor and the director, and sometimes they just want to work together again for yeah. any reason, right? It happens. But yeah, I can it better not happen. I can wholeheartedly see Will Ferrell and him doing a, a film together. Um, what kind of format it'll take would be quite interesting because Will mm. can do he can put on a, he has serious ish chops sometimes but but those two together I think would be yeah it'd be, it'd be interesting for when those two guys, guys get back together because they will do I'm sure at some point alright yeah true um, okay let's head to the scores I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. 
Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Camille, with your recommendability. Okay, I'm not going to go crazy. I, I realized what kind of film it is. And I said two and two and a half. Oh, wow. Half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I'm, I love it, but I also know what kind of film it is. And like, uh, <laughs> I'm not going around going like, you got to see Step Brothers. Because <laughs> like, it's not for everybody. And... Yeah, two and a half. Like it's just right in the middle. You know, it's either going to work or not. So how do you how do you kind of approach how do you approach it? And do you kind of say, look, I love this film called Step Brothers. You might not like it, but you know, watch five minutes and see if you like it, kind of thing. Is that is that how you explain it to people? You know, do you what? like testicles and drum kits? Yeah, basically, <laughs> if you say yes to one of them, then yay. What's your favorite dinosaur? Three, two, one, Velociraptor. <laughs> no, but no, no, actually, like, I, to me, it's a little bit like I, you know, like how you ask, you're talking to somebody, you ask them, oh, do you like dogs? And because I love dogs. And I'm, and someone's like, oh, I hate dogs. I, I, I can't, can't do that. I'm like, if somebody's not a dog person, I'm a little bit like, ah, we're not going to be best friends. Let's just yeah. say that, you know? And it's the same thing when, like, it was just, like, something stupid like that, when it's Zoolander, when it's uh, Step Brothers, old school, and someone's like, ah, it's just stupid comedies. I'm like, I don't judge you for it, but, you know, something in our relationship has just changed. So <laughs> so I don't, like, I, I don't try to force it on people in any shape or form. Al? Uh, I'll go with the three. I mean... It's that it is that same thing Cam described. I recent basically I have a real bad habit of like recommending people, um, and in particular my parents' films, and then completely forgetting what is inside that film. So it happened with Bridesmaids, and then it happened recently with Step Brothers. Mom, Dad, if you're listening, I am sorry. I forgot about the drum kit scene. Yeah, so I'd probably <laughs> go with three again. It's like um, I love this film, and I think for people who are just like who have that sort of weird yes admittedly pretty teenage boy kind of like sense of humor um you will absolutely have an absolute blast and be quoting this film until like you know the end of time but for everyone else maybe not so yeah i'll go with a nice three in the middle helen yeah so as i said this this really isn't it's it's not it's not my genre genre of of choice as preferences and uh, some of the choice insults, I mean, it's it's like, oh, I mean, even then it was probably a bit like, oh, is it funny? Can we be saying this? And even now it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wonder who would come to this new now and be able to get on with that. Um, but for all of the teenage boys out there, I'll give it a one. <laughs> harsh Helen harsh <laughs> I'm going to be, I, I, randomly I think I'm going to give it the highest score out of everyone here um, I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I think some people generally do really like it and I can't you know I can't begrudge that uh, there's some scenes in it which are, I think are, are, 
really funny and I love everyone in it, as I say. Um, so I don't want to begrudge people having the opportunity to watch it because they might really enjoy it. Um, for me, no, not not the highest, not peak McKay, not peak uh, Ferrell and John C. Riley or any of those guys in there. So that's why it's a 3.5. Repeat viewing score, Cam. I would say four. I'm going to go pretty high on that because I think you can rewatch this film and depending on your day, um, depending on how, you know, the way you saw it before, you might just just find this joke funnier than the other one. You might see a new joke. You might see something in the background, you know, something on Dale's wall, you know, in his room and just like laugh about that. I think it's just one of those films, which is a lot of those uh, Will Ferrell films, you know, like Anchorman and something. You you find new jokes in it. And I, Do you think it's that layered, this film? Sorry? Do you think it's that layered? I mean, I, I maybe not layered like, oh, there's like a, joke underneath the joke but right i find after a couple of years oh this joke makes me laugh so much more now than it did 10 years ago and you know yeah i think of four four is good you know <laughs> just that but i don't want to be too harsh on it so i'm just saying it from my own perspective when i told my friends i'm going to be doing step brothers with you guys they were like oh yeah dude step brothers i'm like i don't know dude <laughs> I, think, I think i think they might crush me out there but um so i'm speaking for me and my friends it's a four rewatchable, rewatchable film. Ow. I have rewatched this film a billion times, so I'm going to have to give it a five. For different reasons, though, I think like what makes it repeatable um, is you kind of like after a while, after like spending enough time with the film, you know which bits are coming. And when I talk about that, that comfort food element of this film... The fact that I've seen it a million times and know exactly what's about to happen, exactly like, you know, what's coming up, like just makes it so much more satisfying and you sort of anticipate those moments. I just like, it's so easy to watch. It's a five for me. Helen? Just haven't you, have you watched it together? Oh, Is this no. one that you've like had the pleasure of like partying and... Dude, watching it together we gotta Passing see it together <laughs> <laughs> thank you helen let's watch it again uh, we haven't no, we but haven't, that is an amazing idea seen. i'm pretty sure we quote it sometimes definitely is this the kind of film that would they showed us a prince charles maybe he'd be really into it and he also would want to make a song called boats and hose we just we can't say <laughs> Um, Helen, repeat yeah. the score. So um, I, ha- I had to watch Parenthood straight after this to kind of like cleanse myself <laughs> and watch Mary Steenberg and something good. Um, I'm not going to watch this again ever. Zero. Sorry. Parenthood, Parenthood is a great... Uh, Parenthood is amazing. Yeah. If we're talking about kind of like comedies and the longevity in that, and I've seen that so many times and it's still really really funny and it still kind of has it's not gross out there's there's a lot of heart in it so i think the main thing for me with stepbrothers is there's just not really any heart in it and if it is it's i just don't believe in it i don't think there's any heart in it yeah <laughs> so what was so what was your repeat score zero zero uh i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go for 2.5 i oh, okay. you know it's It'd be. It, I don't think I'd select it from Netflix, but if it was on the TV and I was more, you know, just doing stuff around the flat, I'd happily, you know, have it in the background. I might turn it up, um, and you know, 
pause when more interesting things happen and then just go around, you know, doing other things as well. Um, or if, you know, if you're on a plane with limited time and you're probably one of those films I put on a plane when I'm feeling a bit tired. So I'm not that fussed about it at all, but you know, you want something just to kind of take your attention away from stuff. That's where it kind of falls into, <laughs> into the realm of repeat viewing for me. So that gets 2.5, not that strong, but also, you know, I'd ha- I'd wa- I would watch it again. Uh, small screen score, Cam. Uh, I have a four again. Um, because I feel like what Al said before, how they wanted to make a smaller film and you can see that they want to make a smaller film. And, um, and it is made for a TV. There's nothing in there that like really, oh, it needs that big screen experience, you know, and it's an easy film. Like maybe you're, you're on a train, like, you know, you can even put it on your phone. And like you said, Kobe, like you just, you know, playing on my, like I'm doing something else. It's playing in the background. Mm. It's very much a TV uh, film and also one that you can keep on, like if you're just flipping through channels and it comes on, you can just like, you know, keep going with it uh, wherever you kind of find it. Um, so it's very much a TV film. Yeah. So why not five? I don't know. I like to be careful with my decisions. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't want to get overexcited. <laughs> Helen did a zero there, okay? And everybody was like, whoa. Listen, if, if, you, if you want it to score high, I'd give it all the points you can. I mean, maybe it's because I remember my uh, cinema experience of it with my dad. And then never, nothing's going to get as good as that experience, you know? Okay. That's, that's a there five. We go. That makes sense. It's yeah. a four then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Al? It's a, probably a five for me. I mean, yeah, Cam, nail on the head, you know, the big kind of films with amazing cinematography, I'm not going to watch those on, you know, my phone on like, you know, the train to Bristol or wherever it is I'm going. Like I'm, I'm actually not going anywhere at the minute because we're all in a terrible pandemic. But if I was, yeah. I'd stick something like Step Brothers on. So yeah, probably a five. There's just nothing not to love about watching this. You're not missing out by um, being robbed of a bigger screen experience. Helen. Yeah, this is totally a home movie. There's no reason why you'd need to watch it. Unless you really want to see big testicles, then I mean, <laughs> maybe. I mean, you could just sit close to the screen. Um, so a five. You're going to go for five. Um, great. I wouldn't go to Prince Charles to watch this specifically, but I, I think if you did, if you were into this film, I can imagine you want to get together with your mates and 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 having a session before going out and lash. Um, but for me, yeah, nothing tele, nothing cinematic about this in any way, shape, or form. So five. Was there any big songs in it actually? Well, because sometimes the soundtrack make, pulls us out of the. See, I always enjoy a LCD sound system in the beginning. Um, oh yeah! When the credits come on, what is the song yeah. called? Um, um, American something. I can't remember. I don't I know, but it's song, LCD but sound system, and it's always uh, good to hear LCD sound system. Obviously, the ending. I mean, they're performing the song, but who could forget the scene in a way? And that's actually Will Ferrell singing, and that's uh, John C. Riley drumming at the end. Oh really? A, yeah. Mm. Um, also, the testicles cost ten thousand dollars to make, Helen. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some respect it's appreciated for a little bit. Um, but yeah. Cam, engagement score. Um, I might go a little bit lower. I'll go three and a half. Um, because I was rewatching it like a hundred times now, and I noticed my attention going a little bit mm. sideways, you know? 
I don't know. Maybe it is everything that we've talked about. Maybe like I'm, you know, I've grown out of it a little bit, you know. Um, maybe it is the fact that it, it's not like a, I don't know, like a big comedy in terms of its execution, you know, that that something is just, you're just waiting for those moments. Maybe, maybe some of the scenes don't work as well, you know. So I wasn't as engaged as I probably was with it like five years ago. So I feel like it's a little, it's fading a little bit. So I gave it like a three and a half. Ow. Uh, Probably like a three. I mean, it's you can dip in and out of it. It's essentially like a string of connected sketches. So like you're you could literally jump in at five minutes, come back after meeting a friend for half an hour, and like you're not going to be lost. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I would still give it a three though because it's just something about it that's just like a tractor beam, and I do find myself just like pulled into that world and into like the idiocy. So, yeah, three for me. Helen? So we kind of like started talking dates when we were going to do a record quite a while ago and I I started watching it and had to stop at a certain point and then it wasn't until um, recently I was like, did I finish it? I was like, oh, shit, I need to finish it. Um, And quite a bit of time had passed. So uh, a one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm giving it for two hits. It's... I don't need to pay attention. Uh, there's nothing subtle in this comedy. Nothing subtle in this at all. So, um, you know, if it's on, it's in the background. And I did watch it kind of episodically. So, yeah, two. And that gives us an overall score of 3.12500. Um, That's still not bad. Anything no, over not. three is decent. Okay, guys, let's head to Twitter. And do follow us on Twitter. We are at FlixWatcherPod because every time we record, we do put a shout out asking for people's opinions, uh, such as in this case, we're reviewing Step Brothers with Al and Cam from A Script Apart. Have you seen the film? We'd love to know your thoughts and feedback. Sorry, Cam, you um, chose the film. Do you want to take the first first review? Yes. The Contrarians. I remember begrudgingly going to watch this with my friends, expecting to hate it because the trailer looks so dumb, then laughing from beginning to end. The climatic song is perfect. Four out of five stars. Boom. Next one. <laughs> Al. So this is from Movie Reviews in 20 Qs podcast. <laughs> I've rewatched this more times than I will admit to and still love it. Four out of five. It's just preposterously stupid, but sometimes you need that. Plus, you know... It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. And then there's a gif of uh, Rob Riggle going, pow, pow. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Helen. And the last one we've got is from Alex Elliott. The laughs get louder as the film goes along and as we become more attached to the brothers. Four nutsacks out of five. So it's four and a half out, sorry, four out of five across the board for, for, our, for our Twitter reviews. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't represented here in the Flixwatch studio, which is where it's important. Um, but it's fair <laughs> enough, guys. Uh, Al and Cam, can you sign up by telling everyone where we can find you online? And we'll say goodbye to the listeners. So uh, you can follow our podcast, Script Apart, on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Script Apart on both of those places. Um, on Twitter, I am Al underscore Horner. And Cam. Um, everything that Al said and on Twitter I'm at Camille Dimek and guys thanks for having us I feel like the film uh, worked in terms of having a good dis- discussion so <laughs> you know that's, that, that's that was you my wanted, only that's goal you chose it. yeah so we have like a little bit of a battle and, um, <laughs> and I think it worked you know and thanks for all the comments online guys thanks for coming on bye 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 
enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast, why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.